Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. What a journey it's been for the Colts this season. Win or go home opportunity, win and you're in opportunity against the Texans on Saturday night. What a journey it's been on this program with our next guest. It started out with controversy about where he had the Colts ranked all the way back in the early waning portions of this season, week two, week three, perhaps. And now here we are with a one game to punch the ticket conversation with our next guest. He is Eric at home of NFL.com. You find his weekly power rankings, of course, his draft coverage as well throughout the offseason. Perhaps that is our next conversation, but let's live in the here and now. Eric, how are you? Happy New Year. What a journey, first of all, not only the Colts have had, but that, that we have had, right? You know, obviously going through my <laughs> the, uh, the the travails of my rankings, and I, I give credit to the Colts fans who saw what I didn't see at times early in the year, and I've always I guess been a little bit ambivalent about him, but yeah, they've they've proved me wrong more than uh, more than not. I would say, Eric, I want to begin with this from my standpoint in terms of over the course of the year. You know, the NFL season to me is fascinating, and you know this, Eric, in terms of the peaks and the valleys. I mean, teams can. There are times, you know, there are teams like in October that people are like, "Good lord, give them the Lombardi now," and then by December <laughs> they're nowhere to be found, and vice versa. Yep. Who have been – we'll go AFC, NFC both, okay? Who have been the two most consistent teams? I'm not even saying consistently the best, but the two teams that have just been the most consistent in their course of play in each conference. Yeah, it's got – I think it has to be the Ravens and Niners. And, right, I mean, they just so happens they're number one and two. I mean, because, you know, even with losing at home to the Colts, you could kind of see in that game, like, there were – there were plenty of opportunities for them to have won the game and they just missed them. I mean, it was, you know, like not hopping on a couple of fumbles and, you know, just some strange things. I'm not taking anything away from Indy in that game, but, you know, that game and the, the loss to the Browns at home, you know, again, very winnable games. I guess they could have also lost to the Rams in overtime at home, but, you know, I've just seen steady growth from them throughout the season. I don't think they've had any horrific performances Maybe the the game at Pittsburgh, you look at and say, okay, that was a that was an off day for sure after a good start. San Francisco, even with the three game losing streak, even by even with getting blasted by the Niners, I mean by the uh, Ravens a couple weeks ago, you know, two of those three games that they lost in a row could have won. It was, you know, it was right there again. I didn't think either one of those were horrific, terrible, concerning performances. Um, you would say that the Cincinnati game and the Baltimore game were probably the two where they looked the least likely to win, the least prepared, whatever you want to say, the least potent. I think those are the answers. Philly was looking great for a while. The last month has obviously not gone according to a plan. One and four in December, uh, one and two at home in December. You know, it's, I don't know that there's a real other candidate. I would give the Colts a lot of credit. They'd be pretty high up on that list as far as, you know, keeping their head above water when there were plenty of reasons for them to 
to think a little bit. So, you know, I, if, if that was our power rankings list this week, they'd be probably a little higher than than what their, their current number is. After they had that win against the Bills, and you referenced this in the power rankings, but after the Philadelphia Eagles had the win over the Bills, you had them ranked number one. You highlight the fact that it looked like it was going to be a Jalen Hurts MVP season, and they're 10-1. and one. And I know you highlighted just a little brief with their, their struggles. As you've looked back at everything with where you have them now, what went wrong with Philadelphia? And you asked this question in your piece on NFL.com. Are they cooked? Is, is it done? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you can clearly look at uh, an offense scoring points inconsistently um, the last four or five games. I know they put up, what, 30 on the – 30-something on the Giants. They obviously put uh, 37 in overtime on, against the, the Bills, but uh, not being able to finish drives. And then look what some good backs have done to them recently, especially James Conner on Sunday. But that run defense was sort of held up as the saving grace of the defense for a long time this season. Well, at least we have that, right? The secondary is a little bit of a mess. We'd, we'd love the pass rush to be a little bit more – uh, potent, more like it was last year when they had 70 sacks, 72, whatever the number was. But, yeah, I mean, it, it just hasn't been the same. Uh, and that run defense has really kind of deteriorated the last three, four games. So they don't have much to hang their hats on defensively right now. And with all that talent, even with some not playing, I mean, the corners haven't held up the way you'd expect two veterans uh, in Slay and Bradbury. You know, safety's been kind of a, a whirlwind linebacker they've had to go off the street and bring back guys that you know that that they'd either moved on from or other you know were, were street free agents at that point just to fill holes you know so it's been a little bit bizarre you know for for a team that good we saw it obviously with the bills you know firing their offensive coordinator but the eagles you know demoting sean desai and bringing Matt Patricia into that role, I mean, it, that felt like a pretty desperate move. Even if the first game, it looked like a, the right move, at least for the first 58 minutes. So when you start seeing teams make those kind of moves, it's obviously going to go one way or the other. With the Bills, they've, they've, they've thrived. With the Eagles, they have not. Eric, when you look at the postseason – and I think people around here with the Colts and some of the high-flying offenses that they've seen with the Colts over the years and then go in and kind of get clamped down in bad weather in New England, you know, there's so many factors that come into play. But I think defenses change a little bit or, or, or get tighter in the postseason. The style of play maybe alters based on the weather. Which team amongst the elites is the most susceptible to falling victim to something like that because offensively, as good as they've been, they are the least flexible. Yeah, I mean, I look at a team like the Dolphins. I mean, it's obviously, you know, they're in a position where they have to win to, to secure the division, and that's going to be a big one. I mean, as I wrote for them this week, it's hard to imagine them going back to Baltimore in a few weeks and just saying, okay, we'll, we'll put 56 to, to, to whatever behind us, and we're just going to roll in different game, different, de- you know. That didn't look like a close matchup. That didn't look like the kind of thing where, okay, if they played ten times, Miami could win four of them. No, I didn't, I didn't think that at all. I mean, after the first, you know, 18, 20 minutes of the game anyway. So, yeah, it just they, – they concern me. Obviously, the, the, the volatility coming into this game, they'll know a little more by the time we get to Sunday night. But, you know, 
I don't know if they're a, a, a paper tiger or if they're, you know, somehow saving up their best for postseason. I would probably lean towards the former. In big situations outside of that Dallas game, they've more, you know, more often than not come up small. So they're they're a team that obviously the, the schedule's really lined up well for them as far as who they play and when. Um, and you know, all AFC teams have the the added bonus of the home game this year. But yeah, I just I don't know. I don't see them surviving a a, a pretty deep and dangerous field, especially with with potential wild cards like Buffalo and Cleveland that, you know, you could make a case for them being able to get to to the Super Bowl. Eric Edholm is our guest. Eric, your opinion this Saturday evening, primetime game, Colts-Texans, winners in. C.J. Stroud, is he still a rookie quarterback or (laughs) is he at this point experienced enough and unflappable enough that we got to put that aside? Yeah, had he not missed a couple of games, obviously we're you know we're we're probably treating the situation a little differently if he hadn't missed any time. But yeah, he's obviously even though you know the the best rookie season ever talk and all that has kind of dwindled a little bit, obviously. But he's a different dude, man, and and I think he's going to come in completely focused and ready to go. I picked the Colts to win this game just because I felt like going to be close it's going to you know the home field i think is going to matter houston has some some other warts they're worried about they're not a complete team either um you know colts have you know not every game but have taken care of business at times at home so i think they're gonna they're gonna be in a good position if jonathan taylor's healthy and ready to go but yeah stroud's no ordinary rookie and like he said by this point it's just a designation it's just a uh, matter of record because I think he is a pretty precocious young guy who doesn't just it doesn't rattle in the face of pressure we saw it against Georgia in the, in the in the playoff game last year and we've seen it for the most part you know outside of a couple of games I wouldn't say he's he's looked out of place at all so it's a tough matchup, no doubt about it. When you say that you favor Indianapolis, is that based on venue? Venue's part of it, for sure. I mean, I you know, it's going to take a lot for, for Houston to have, I think, a complete 60 minutes on defense, depending on who's healthy. You know, they, they've got some injuries, obviously, like everybody else at this point. Um, you know, and Stroud can, can bail them out of some bad situations, too, but – doesn't have the full firepower of that offense either. Uh, Nico's good, but, you know, they don't have their full complement of playmakers. And, again, I think if you get down to a one-game situation, I know Taylor was kind of in and out of the game last week. I mean, when he was in there, he looked good. And you ask a guy to carry the load for a night, I think he can do it and, and be a difference maker. So, you know, a lot of things have obviously changed since that first matchup. I don't know how much we can even – really glean from it. it look, these are two different teams than when they met last time. Eric Edholm, NFL.com, is our guest. You can find his power rankings right there throughout the entire regular season. Of course, does great work year-round, especially with his draft coverage. Eric, you mentioned the injuries on both sides. Where is the injury report more critical for either side? Is it with the Colts hopefully getting back Kenny Moore, or is it, as you mentioned, more supporting cast help potentially coming back in the trenches for Will Anderson Jr. for that Texans defensive line. Yeah, I mean, Anderson's been in and out of the lineup a little bit, and he's obviously been a huge difference maker when he's been there. But, you know, as you guys know, Kenny Moore, I mean, I don't think he's probably 
you know, anyone appreciates him more than Colts fans do, but I love the guy. He's obviously just one of those players that seems to show up at the right time in the right place and make those, those clutch plays. And, you know, was it the, uh, I guess it was the Panthers game. He kind of took over a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a, you know, he may not be quite the household name, but to that defense and what they ask for, yeah, he's, he's big. You got to have him out there, I think. So, you know, it's easy to look at, at some of the star power players and say, well, yeah, you got to have him healthy. But sometimes those those little, you know, differences in, in the depth chart can make a huge uh, impact on a game. So, yeah, I mean, formationally with, with what the Texans do, you know, they'll, they'll – They'll throw a lot at you. Bobby Slovak's done a really good job. Having that, that reliable inside-outside guy is, is crucial. Eric, let me ask you a question that I've asked a couple people in the last week, and it I'll admit it sounds like a, a digging for negativity. It's not that at all. I'm genuinely curious of this, though. Obviously, you would take, if you're the Colts, the situation that they're in. It's been a great year. You know, based on what the expectation was going in, nobody would have guessed when Anthony Richardson went down and Gardner Minshew, you know, that here you are. But this year from the beginning, Eric, I think you know this, was going to be all about the development of Anthony Richardson and building Mm -hmm. the right pieces and giving the patience necessary towards a franchise quarterback. Doing this with Gardner Minshew, has it in any way, shape, or form – accelerated the pace without Richardson in there that could be detrimental to him next year. In other words, when he takes the keys back over and assuming he's healthy, is it possible that they have now gotten into habits that favor Gardner Minshew that would be adverse towards the way Anthony Richardson wants to play? Yeah, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about it in that that framework. I mean, you know, I think it's a fair question to ask and it's a – you know, it's a good sort of off-season lens through which to look at you know at the team, and and there'll be expectations too, right? I mean, if, if you're saying okay, if if your backup went out and won, you know, got them to a you know, let's say a ten and seven record in the playoffs, that also raises the expectations Correct. for Richardson and the pressure, what it, right? Yeah, and what's essentially his rookie year, right? I mean. You know, I'm trying to think of other rookie quarterbacks in recent years who have either missed, you know, a large portion of their their rookie season, or uh, maybe didn't get in there till the very end, that sort of thing. And yeah, it, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna affect things one way or the other. Now we don't know what kind of off season the Colts are going to have, right? They've always sort of been a little bit cautious with spending, and you know, maybe they don't make those big splashy moves in the draft, but you never know. And Obviously, you want to see what the full picture looks like. Uh, you also want to see how he's doing in, you know, in terms of throwing and everything in the off-season program. But yeah, I think there will be a, a level of expectation that, hey, we've gotten kind of accustomed to, to working with the veteran, and now you've got to raise up to his level. You think Joe Flacco's got another month of magic in him? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, just from a you know, what a wild storyline this is. And I, you know, I think all of us, I don't know, I don't speak for everybody, but most people would, would love to see what would happen. Flacco at Baltimore, at Lamar in a playoff game. Last time they met, it was Deshaun. He goes on the IR a day or two later. I mean, you know, and Cleveland beat him last time there. That would be a great one. Obviously, on the flip side, Stafford going to Detroit. Goff against Stafford would be kind of the same equivalent, but the Flacco thing nobody could have seen coming. I couldn't have, you know, the Jets didn't want him back after all their quarterback stuff, right? 
it just how do you expect him to, to do what he's doing with all the injuries the Browns have faced? So I, I hope he's at least got a few more games of, of brilliance, and, and that would be a, a sight to see. Eric Edholm of NFL.com joins us. Eric, since we probably won't talk to you again until we get time to looking at drafts and yeah. getting things ready for the combine, I'll put the cart before the horse. Let's say the Colts win on Saturday, but the Jaguars mm-hmm. win. So it's a it's a road playoff game for the Colts. Where do you see the best matchup for them looking at? I know there's so many different permutations of what could happen, but looking at where things stand right now, what's the best matchup if they have to go on the road in your mind? Yeah, I mean, obviously if you – are they kind of – you'll have to help me out here with the standings. Are they kind of locked into – I would guess they can't get the five, so it's got to be either the six and seven if they don't win the division, right? Yeah, so – I would say probably Jack. You know, if it was if it was possible, it would be Jacksonville. But I don't think that matchup can happen. So I, I guess Kansas City. <laughs> Crazy as it sounds, maybe Miami if they win the division. I've been saying that. You know, this Col- this Dolphins team doesn't really scare me anymore. You know, you you guys said at the beginning of the hit we were talking about teams that looked amazing in October. Well, they were one of them. You know, we were crowning them the best offense of all time. It's not that. The defense has lost how many pieces now? So I would probably say a matchup at Miami would look pretty favorable. I mean, not to say that they are, you know, I mean, they're beatable. That's how I look at it. And I think especially if if Jalen Waddle's not full strength and considering everybody else they've lost on defense. Eric, when I was in college, I I got addicted to General Hospital. Um, Sure. Mostly because Vanessa Marcel was on it, but it, it was good. I, I got I got roped into the storylines and and missed a lot of class actually. But so so I'm not opposed to somebody falling in love with a soap is what I'm getting out of yeah. soap opera. Uh, what's the best soap opera in the NFL this year? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me of all time. That would have that would have that would have been tough for me. I, I did watch Days of Our Lives when I was back in college. My girlfriend got me into that. So. There you go. Uh, I'm telling you, all it takes is a week to figure out the storylines, and there's no turning back. Right. Exactly. You could pick it up a year later. And, oh, that's still going on. Right. <laughs> that's exactly uh, right. Best soap opera. I mean, boy, the the, the <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, the, the Jets thing has, has been obviously kind of weird and different. Maybe we didn't see it the way we uh, – uh, I don't know if, if you count New England because I keep hearing there's a, there's a scenario where Belichick returns next year, although that would just be, you know, like adding – you know, uh, the, the writers decide, like, we have to build this guy's character back into the story. That would kind of have a, a soap-like quality to it. So maybe I'm missing a bigger one, but whatever drama there was in Pittsburgh – a few weeks ago is suddenly gone. I don't know how they've they've wiped the decks of it, even if this picket thing is hanging around for a little bit. That that's a pretty good one too. I mean the the Steelers have been very close to playing on the third rail all season, so that's uh that, that that's a good candidate too. I feel like Washington and Carolina are soap operas, but they're on like the UPN network and so like people aren't necessarily aware of it, but it's going on, right? They've been canceled, right? Yeah, you wish you know they would have gotten a second season and all that. But I mean, they're like you know what to bring it back to my days. Days when I was watching that show it was always followed by Passions, which may be the worst television show of all time. I'm not uh-huh. sure, but it was bad. That's kind of what I think. It's like watching 
you know, a pretty good team with some drama early and then having a, a really bad team with drama after that. And you think, I'll just I'll go do something else. I guess Washington would be capital. That was a soap opera that had a, a, a brief moment when I was a kid as well that I don't think was very good. But uh, okay. All right, Eric, your power rankings are out. They are available at NFL.com. I will not spoil it for Colts fans so that we encourage them to go and look at it, but I will tell them that I think Colts fans – will be pleasantly surprised with the respect that you have given them this week within current the rankings that you have. And, of course, we will see what happens here in the final regular season game with the Houston Texans. We appreciate the time, as always, and go back to days of our lives. (laughs) I got them all recorded on DVR. Thank you, fellas. I like that. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Uh, Jordan Cornett joins us now on the program to talk a little college basketball. Um, of course, no stranger to the Indianapolis airwaves and now with NBC. Jordan, I'm going to begin with this. Uh, you would think that I'm going to sit here and ask you about Purdue or Indiana or whatever else, but I've got to start with this. I saw your tweet last night. Caitlin Clark's pretty good, isn't she? Oh, man, Jake. Uh, it's good to be back on with you, Jimmy, as well. Uh, it was just a moment where – I just felt like the platform needed to be about Caitlin Clark and only Caitlin Clark last night. And look, Purdue is the number one team on our airwaves over at NBC and Peacock. And yet still, when you watch an athlete deliver like that, it trumps everything else. Like, we're all fans. We've all watched uh, generational talents occasionally pop in. You know, we've seen the rise of LeBron James. We've watched Tom Brady's illustrious career to retirement. It feels like you're watching the start of somebody who's going to go down in the pantheon of one of the all-time great athletes, and she's really just getting started with her college run. I mean, I think back to when I was 18 and 22 years old, and I was an average athlete in Notre Dame. I was proud of my career and what it was. I played around a lot of great players, and I marveled at what they were able to do on that stage. And it pales in comparison to anything that's being asked of this young woman in Caitlin Clark and yet she's not bothered by it. She's unflappable. And when the moment calls, somehow she finds a way. It's like Jeter on his last game and he gets the game-winning hit. You're like, how does this happen? Like watching that game last night, it's like there's no way this young woman in front of all these people is going to hit 40 with a game-winning shot. And sure as hell she did. And it's just you marvel because everyone else is elated. Everyone else is going crazy. And she's just got the look of, ho-hum, this is what I do. It's incredible. Jordan, with that, you know, one of the things that's always fascinated me about athletes in general, and I wanted you to add your perspective on this as somebody that played. You know, I, I used to for for so many years I would watch great players, exactly what you're talking about, when the moments find great players. And I would think to myself, what do they do to elevate their their play in that last minute? And then finally I had the epiphany that somebody pointed out to me, but 
that maybe it's not that those players are elevating, it's that everybody else dips a little bit because of the pressure of the moment and they themselves are completely immune to it. And because their game doesn't dip, it allows them to rise. It allows them to be risen above everybody else. Which yeah, way do you I, see it? I, I see a little bit of both, and I'll, and I'll challenge that by adding another element. I don't think they, they take into account implications. Well, what happens if this is a miss? Oh, my gosh, I can make this. I think they just stay so laser-focused as if the 40th minute or the 39th minute, excuse me, is the first minute of the game. So when people get tense, I think they're wholly unaware of that because they don't allow their mind to get away from not a moment, but the job still at hand. And I've really studied this because it's something I think is so fascinating in sport. You know, I watch a guy like Joe Burrow from my Cincinnati Bengals have that magnificent year two years ago and what he was able to do in those biggest moments. And you look between their eyes and you just get the sense that, like, they don't know what's at stake here. They're able to stay laser-focused tunnel vision without the understanding of what this could mean for their legacy if they do this or what this could mean if they don't get it done. They just look locked in. And I think that level of being locked in is the point zero 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 one percent of the special athletes, and that's what you see with a Caitlin Clark. Okay, so locked in. Obviously, that takes us to Purdue. Last night, winning in Maryland. Um, I, I think we know, Jordan Cornette, of what, you know, clearly we know who Purdue is and, and what they are. A year ago, I think they got a little bit exposed in March, obviously, in the fact that teams started late in the year to just say, look, we're going to let Zach Eady get his. And, and see who else can beat us. Has Matt Painter taken care of that now where they have enough weapons around now that on any given night it's almost impossible to pick a poison? Yeah, and this one's been mentioned a lot, fellas, but the addition of Lance Jones uh, in, the tra- in the portal has been has been huge for this group because it takes the pressure off. Of course, Edie takes pressure off everybody. I mean, he's a walking 2020 guy. It's the numbers are video game numbers. But with Lance Jones, and we've heard this through some broadcasts, he's alleviated the pressure of this is a guy that can create off the bounce. This is a guy that makes life even easier for Braden Smith and for Fletcher Lawyer. And it's shown in the numbers. It, it wasn't a, a stretch to say the vulnerability of this group were those guards. Best thing about freshmen, they become sophomores. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a freshman backcourt. So you got the, the greatest player in college basketball right now going to national championship. They got exposed in that 116 matchup. They had to spend the whole summer thinking about that, much like a team before then did several years back in Virginia to turn around and won a national championship. Now, can you write that in ink right now that Purdue's going to go win that national championship? Absolutely not. But if you make me pick a team right now, I'm picking the battle-tested Purdue squad because now you look at the efficiency numbers of Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, who, by the way, Braden Smith's playing like an All-American. These guys let the game come to themselves. Braden still needs to tighten up a little bit more at the basketball, but he's made strides there, and they're making the big shots. So now it's not leave them open, make them go beat us, or apply pressure and turn them over. They're taking care of it, and they're knocking down those shots. So now there's no vulnerability in this offense. Look, Purdue didn't even play their best game at Maryland last night in their first true road test, but they played efficient enough to be double figures better throughout the entire game. I was impressed with how they managed that game and never gave Maryland any belief. And defensively is where they really flex their muscle. College basketball analyst for NBC Sports, Jordan Cornette, is our guest. Jordan, throughout any long successful run in sports where you look at your checklist of things to accomplish in the NFL, it's divisional titles, right? It's the same way in baseball and to an extent with conference play. It's the same in college athletics, though the caveat is – 
roster turnover so much more aggressive. Very rarely are teams the same as they were the year before. When you look at what Purdue has done conference-wise the last five years, six, seven, eight years, it's been as good of a run as anywhere you're going to see. Has it gotten to a point, though, through the lens you view them, that yes, those are nice, but that's old hat because you've grown accustomed to to them doing it all the time, you need to see it happen on the grandest stage. Because it feels like it's been that way within the Purdue fan base to some extent. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to win the Big Ten or we're going to come close, but what's going to happen in March? Do you view it that same way nationally? I don't view it that same way nationally because I think it's buffoonery, honestly. I think if you can't appreciate that a team consistently is winning in a a conference like the Big Ten and providing you – uh, the opportunity, the blessing to go watch great basketball and your team that you root for coming out on the winning side consistently, conference wins against a team with a losing record, a team with a winning record, a game on the at home, and especially a game on the road, those are to be celebrated. It is so hard to win in conference play and to do it consistently like Painter has done. It's why those who know, which I'm including you two, understand that that's greatness. Now, of course, the thing still eluding him and eluding the Big Ten in general, it's been 23 years, since obviously Tom Izzo and the Mateen Cleves-led Spartans got it done, the conference wants a title. Obviously, Purdue wants to get to a second weekend and beyond and get to a Final Four and win a championship, and that's the expectation this year, as it should be. But that shouldn't take away from the appreciation of what they've done and how they've been able to do it. As you mentioned, Jimmy, these roster flips and and all that stuff. And I go back to this. It was an interesting conversation I had with Jeff Capel, the head coach of uh, the Pitt Panthers, who does a fine job with that group. He has a lot of roster turnover. He, he, he is dealing with a lot of transfers. He likes to be old. He likes to do it that way. He said the biggest challenge, and no coach can tell you otherwise, if they do their line, you can't say we're bringing in a guy from the transfer portal and we know he's going to be great for our group. You don't know till he's in your gym, in your locker room, being coached up by you, engaging with the personnel already on your roster day to day to really know if it's a fit. It's a crapshoot when you hit the transfer portal. So teams are dealing with a disadvantage. Sure, they're bringing in more talent, but they're trying to get that to congeal, be fortified in a locker room, and go win. And Coach Painter's been able to sidestep that for the majority of his time with continuity, old-school recruiting, cultivating within, and that's provided them the position to be in where they're consistently winning. So great appreciation for it, but of course everyone in that locker room and that fan base wants a championship, and that's fine, but still appreciate what you've done to this point, and of course go win one. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You put an interesting caveat that not a lot of people have talked about when they talk about the parallels between what Virginia went through and what Purdue went through in losing to a 16 seed, which is, look at what Virginia did, but that's not written in ink because of the crapshoot that is the NCAA tournament. 
Purdue, though, like you mentioned, added some pieces in the portal and largely a similar roster from a year ago. If you're looking or if you're, you're talking to Purdue fans or if you're on coverage leading into the NCAA tournament and you're looking at their outlook, what, what should be a successful fair bar for Purdue in 23-24? Well, I, I go win a, a Big Ten championship. I mean, that, that's incredibly important. And look, take advantage of, uh, you got to say a national championship. Now, I'll never say with any team on any stage, it's national championship or bust. But as competitors, we all look at it and say, we're training in the preseason, we're training during the regular season to go win a championship. And if we don't win that, sure, we feel like a failure, but you shouldn't be judged that way by the ones outside the locker room. That's a competitive fire within the group. So I will also add this element to it, and maybe this is talking out of both sides of my mouth, but you've got the best player in college basketball. His numbers are going to go down as some of the most dominant. So obviously you want to take advantage of that while you have a seven foot four Zach Eady. But you go back and look at some of the incredibly dominant players in college athletics. Did, did, did Shaquille O'Neal go win a national title? Did Kevin Durant go win a national title? It's hard to do because it's a one-and-done setup. Sometimes you don't bring it. But I'll say this. With Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer on that roster playing like they are now, as opposed to last year, it's a different look, and it's way more difficult of an out. Jordan Cornett is our guest. You can, of course, see and hear his work and his analysis of college basketball, NBC Sports, and Peacock. Jordan, I want to go back to your alma mater. You mentioned earlier Notre Dame. I thought it was interesting that Micah Shrewsbury, and I liked it, kind of called out recently just, you know, hey, we're setting a culture here. We're setting accountability. Coaches say that a lot. And then there are some coaches that say it, and you go, I think that guy really means it. And they're coming off a big win against Virginia, still trying to find their footing, but just overall your impressions, not only of his being vociferous about that, but where Notre Dame stands since he has had those comments. Well, you know, when I watch that, Jake, and you're old school like me to this degree, like there needs to be an element of that firing your guys up still in college athletics because it's proven it works. And clearly it worked for this Notre Dame team. It was refreshing to see a coach that's not doing it for show. He said that in a locker room to those guys, and he repeated it on a public forum to let the fan base, those invested in Notre Dame basketball, who he considers part of the family, hey, look, this is unacceptable. And if guys are going to waste your time as fans, your time with money to come watch us not go out there and compete, they won't be here any longer. And I've told them that in the locker room. So I like that it wasn't something like, whoa, coach is singing a different tune out in front of the media. No, that was the message throughout, and the guys bought in because what I know about Micah Shrewsbury is he's a very genuine guy. Uh, he's a very disciplined guy. He's rooted in his beliefs and their pure beliefs, and he has the players and the program's best interest in mind. And, oh, by the way, he's a brilliant X and O's guy. He's going to get this thing right. Look, they lost 99% of their scoring from a year ago. 99%. They're going to take their lumps, but to me, a win like that versus Virginia, maybe it sounds alarms for Virginia's ability to score, but greater than that, it says these guys who are in an uphill climb on the roster at Notre Dame have the fight in them to be that dominant against a Virginia team that's going to be a tournament team. I sat with Jack Swarbrick when they were going through the search for a coach, and Jack Swarbrick, the still-sitting AD at Notre Dame, said this is our guy. He knew he wanted Micah Shrewsbury. Of course, there is a search to dot all I's and cross all T's, but from the minute go – from the first minute of this search, it was, let's go get Micah Shrewsbury. He was the guy. He is the guy. He will be the guy. And it was really refreshing to see that happen. And it's a lot more fun to talk Notre Dame basketball after a game like that as opposed to the handful before it. Jordan, another coach that – Jordan Cornett is our guest. Another coach within the state that 
I have no idea like how much he might have been a target when they got him. I was totally unfamiliar with them. And I'm going to go over tonight to Terre Haute to watch Indiana State and Evansville, which, you know, two teams that both have new coaches turning things around. But can you comment on Josh Schertz and the job that he's done and what Indiana State has been able to do to go from really kind of the depths in the Moval to now putting something together that looks like it could be a pretty good year? I'll tell you, and, I, and I, they gave Michigan State uh, all they could, they could handle for a better part of 30-plus minutes in that game before Michigan State, who, by the way, is surging on the uptick uh, heading in the direction we expected them to. But they gave them all they could handle on the road. Indiana State is a group that is so good offensively that they're going to have a shot against anybody. And all of us, as we watch college basketball, I think part of the product that is a little head-scratching and makes it a little less palatable at times is these young men just can't shoot, they can't score, they can't share it, they're not playing connected offensively. And that is everything. Those issues are, 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 are a non-starter for Indiana State basketball. I mean, these guys pass it well. Avula, the big guy with the, with the goggles at 6'10", is a joy to watch because everything's below the rim, but he's got such a good feel and they play through him. They make shots, they can play fast, they can play in a half-court setting, but they light up a scoreboard, and, and that's dangerous. I, I hope, I pray... This team gets into the tournament, which will probably mean they'll have to get that automatic by winning in their conference tournament. But I hope they get there because everybody should see the brand they play. Uh, you're really going to enjoy watching them. Uh, they're a lot of fun, Jay. I, I thought one of the things that was interesting, I watched that Michigan State game, and so much of their offense kind of runs through what Vila is able to do, right, in facilitating from the post and kind of – he's been compared, I mean, a very poor man's, but like a Jokic-type role yeah. of just kind of feeding out – but I thought in that game, Jordan, that his athleticism lacked as such where they had to take him off the floor because Michigan State was able to exploit him and just kind of take him out a little bit. And they did a good job of their shooters still being able to get shots. But is that – if maybe in the mobile that's not an issue, but is that going to potentially be something that hurts them in an athletic matchup in March? Well, yeah, and that's what the beauty is of the tournament is, Jake, it comes down to matchups, right? Like when you look at this group – like, they're going to have to have, much like a lot of these potential upsets that are always brewing come March, it's all going to be personnel laden with the opposition. And Michigan State, who at the core can be an elite defensive team because they got a deep bench, they can throw a lot of different looks at you, a lot of versatile guys, they can switch everything. But the personnel that they can throw on a hybrid like a Beulah, it, it can create a lot of challenges. So what they were able to do, they are able to throw a bunch of different looks at him throw favorable personnel that can really get up in him at any level of the court and make it uncomfortable for him to deliver, have his, have his passing airspace avenues to get the ball where he wanted to. And a lot of Michigan State, what they were able to do was apply that pressure, but also translate that into runouts going the other way. Michigan is not clearly a good matchup for Indiana State, but if you find Indiana State going against a group with a big that a few bigs that don't present that versatile defensive ability that can't get up in you and apply that pressure – Indiana State can thrive with how they score the basketball. So I just didn't like that matchup for them. They're going to find a couple of those big dogs if they do get into the tournament but don't want to see them because they don't match up well with them. Does Indiana have a tricky one tonight, Jordan Cornette, in Nebraska? Because I think we look at Nebraska and you go, yeah, Nebraska. But no, you know, no, Fred no. Hoiberg's done a nice job, right? Nebraska can play basketball. I, this is a huge game for both sides because, Jake, I mean, you, you know Indiana as well as anybody, man. Like, they are expected to beat – Nebraska, it's Nebraska. They're Indiana. Indiana hasn't found consistency yet. Uh, is Ware back for for Indiana? Yeah, I think he is expected to play because it was not injury but stomach illness. So I think okay, he is so, expected, yeah. 
with where it makes that game even that much more exciting and probably tilts towards Indiana, but make no mistake, Nebraska is a gritty, physical group. They've got some scoring punch on the perimeter. Uh, they're a group that can operate both in the half court and the full court setting, and they rebound the ball really well too. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be a it's going to feel like I know Nebraska's not fully looked at as a Big Ten team, although they've been there for a handful of years now. But it's going to feel like a Big Ten grinder game for sure, and it can really define the trajectory of these two teams as we navigate through January. Jordan, is there an avenue for IU to win the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I think that look, <laughs> the Big Ten is fascinating right now, fellas, isn't it? I mean. Did you expect that Illinois score last night? No. Because I didn't. I, I did not expect Illinois to beat Northwestern by 30 with Terrence Shannon uh, gone for the year with that group. Uh, I think that there's going to be absolutely a chance for Indiana. I wouldn't put my money there. I wouldn't bet the house on it. But if you got two homes, why not throw one of them out there? <laughs> um, I, I just don't know. I, I think there's a lot to be figured out still. I think Ohio State has looked really good. Illinois. I just don't see how uh, how anybody's better in Purdue right now. So I think to say win the Big Ten, I couldn't go that route. I don't see anybody usurping Purdue in the Big Ten, but playing for second uh, I think is reasonable if they really start with Nebraska tonight and go on a run. But I'll tell you what, I really like Ohio State. The mask for Illinois taking the reins there, I really like Illinois. Uh, Northwestern, that was a befuddling performance last night. I, they don't have many guys that go off the bounce. So I like those three that I mentioned, Purdue, Ohio State, Illinois, as my first three. Michigan State's another one to watch out for with all their talent. I could see Indiana around five, to be honest. Jordan, I'll be honest, man. I I always marvel with it, your ability to be able to talk about any team anywhere in the country. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing here, the dog and pony show that, that, that I'm doing three hours a day. I've got to know, like, three teams. <laughs> your ability to be able to spout off about any team at any time uh, truly is a talent, and I appreciate your sharing it with us today. And certainly wish you the best for a happy new year, and we'll continue watching on NBC Sports and Peacock. Hey, Jake, you know, anytime you call me, you need me, brother. I'm a call away, man. You, my brother loved you. I love you. Jimmy, it's nice to be on with you, man. And well, you know what the city of Indianapolis means to me and everybody in that town. I appreciate it, man. And uh, absolutely appreciate the comments about Joel as well, because Joel Cornette, one of my all-time favorite people, Jordan Cornette, his brother, of course, Notre Dame star, and now – college basketball analyst.